So uh, tell me about yourself. Uh, who's Marcus oh, Flood? Okay, sure. So, um, you know, I think um, my background is, is, is uh, I don't know if it's unique or, or the same, but for the most part, you know, I'm a black male that grew up in uh, Claremont, California, uh, a predominantly somewhat black neighborhood, mostly white neighborhood. Uh, of course, you know, family is from Louisiana and Texas. We spent a lot of time visiting Louisiana when I was younger, you know, back and forth. But it, essentially, I'm a California boy. You know, um, I uh, had a mom who was director of a daycare program in Claremont uh, for the education system and a father who was an accountant for, um, well, we, we, I know it was Rockwell, but now I believe you know it as Boeing. So growing up, you know, I would hear an awful lot about this thing that we didn't believe in because <laughs> dad would tell us about this thing called the space shuttle. And we thought, there goes dad, man, smoking that stuff again, you know? And I was like, let me get this wow. right. There is, so you're telling me that you guys are working on a rocket, but it's an airplane. And when it gets into space, you say, it's going to fly almost faster, as fast as the speed of light, right, Dad? And sure then right. <laughs> it's going to fly like so. It's going to fly like an airplane, but in space, as you say. I said, okay. All right, Dad. Thanks. <laughs> sure. And, okay. When is it coming again? Oh, by the year 2000. All right. Sure. <laughs> of course, they beat the deadline. And we were all introduced to the space shuttle in the 80s. Wow. Wow. You know, um, and uh, that was, that was, you know, where he came. So because of that, you know, he was, he, he, you know, he didn't, you know, we weren't rich, you know, we were definitely, you know, uh, a middle-class African-American family, for sure. Nice. Um, my dreams was to not do any of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my dreams was I was, you know, I grew up on television. So I wanted to get involved, you know, in TV. And so I would I would have all these, these fantasies. And the only person that I knew that had anything to do with television was my uncle who played football. I mean, he okay. ended up playing football with the O.J. Simpson. Nice. You know, um, he came out of Grambling okay. University in Louisiana, you know, and I kind of kept those those dreams alive. You know, I, I you know, my parents kept me in music classes. Uh, uh, I took, you know, vocal stuff, you know, at church and I played drums and but I played sports. I played baseball and football and ran track and things like that. But the weird thing for me is I got involved originally, essentially not in education, but in entertainment first. And so skipping through that story, I was able to land a hip hop dancing job, you know, uh, first. And then I ended up with an agent, a manager, you know, uh, and ended up going on several, you know, auditions, you know, for jobs and booked uh, a little job under five. Your audio just forgot. Really small. And so I booked a really small job on a series called Saved by the Bell and um, another one called Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which seems to be very popular right now for some reason. Hold on, uh, hold on. If I'm hearing this correctly, Zach Morris, A.C. Slater, Saved by the Bell, 
yeah. Carl- Carlton Hillary Belair, Fresh Prince of Belair. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Okay. Just want to make sure. Right. Cool, cool. Yeah, these are the shows. And so these are under five roles. But you know, what was really funny for me was I booked, uh, ABC used to do these after school specials. Mm-hmm. And I booked one. Uh, mine was entitled Real Men Can't Believe. Of course, it's for teenagers and boys and how to understand manhood, you know. And so I booked the lead role in that. You know, and uh, I was a star of that one, and um, it's still out there today. If you, it's so funny if you go onto YouTube and you click on, you know, just uh, "Real Men Don't Bleed." Yep. There I am, I'll pop right up. <laughs> you know, you'll see me in that role. But I, that was a significant role, not because it was so great and grand and big, but because I met a lot of people that was in the industry and they were young like me at the time. So I came up with the. Alfonso's, you know, Ribeiro's and the, and, you know, and the, uh, gosh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's and Soleil Moonfry and Toby Maguire and Jonathan Brandis, you know, and, and, uh, all those folks. And so it worked out for me nicely. I was still in my, you know, early twenties when it did. Um, and I was a bit of a unicorn because I was able to book both acting jobs and dance jobs alike. Um, I, I did that until I booked a, a national commercial. I booked a few national commercials, but I booked one great one for, for JC Penny and man, it, that doggone thing. I went from a kid who had very little money at all to suddenly this kid who, you know, was, had a little sports car and bought a townhouse in Culver city and I was living it up. You know, I wasn't saving any money, but I was living it up. <laughs> were there any teachers as you were coming up who um, sort of mentored you or gave you uh, advice that uh, you know you it, it, all, it all it all comes it all comes back you know so what happened was I had quite a few teachers so all through this entertainment journey you know this teaching thing was always you know in the background and I had you know one teacher gosh doggone Miss Shama you know Miss Shama was a teacher that I had um, in the twelfth grade and she was an English teacher. And she would, you know, say things like, you're great, you're special, this, that, and the other, and you can write this. It made me believe I could write, hmm. is what she did, you know, um, which I'm telling you, all that stuff came into play. You know, um, like I said, I tried to do the entertainment thing first. I worked for ABC News after I did the entertainment thing. You know, I created a show um, that was almost picked up by Nickelodeon. And this is all based on this high school teacher. Um, the bottom dropped out for me in entertainment when my commercial ended. And there I was with no money. I moved back home, took a took the uh, teacher test, and before you know it, I, I I was so angry with entertainment. Like, how could you do that to me? So I started teaching, but I fell in love with it, you know, um, wonderfully. I'm still able to do entertainment things now, but man, my biggest joy right now is probably still in teaching. You know, um, I started teaching originally sixth grade, sixth grade English. And that was great. I didn't think I could do anything else. A few years into it, I went back to teaching uh, English and the arts. And then I said, I had the nerve to say I was going to get a credential to become a school psychologist. And part of that meant I had to take statistics. And I was so sure I couldn't do it. Now, here it is. Mind you, I come from a family where my brother is an engineer. My father is an accountant. They understand math very well. And I was pretty sure I didn't. <laughs> You know, and I struggled with that originally in school. I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't do well. 
you know, and then all of a sudden the light came on while I was taking statistics and doggone when that light came on, I could see everything in the room wow. and everything, everything made sense. Wow. And I couldn't understand why I struggled so bad with geometry and algebra. It didn't make any sense. It was so easy. And then I opened a little corridor of my brain and I said, you know what? You've always understood this, hmm. but you didn't have confidence enough to believe that you were right. And so yes. you believe everyone else. Got and it. so you won't. So there I was, I went back and so I told my school that I was working at that, you know, Hey, if you need somebody to teach, you know, math, I can probably pull it off. I got the classes. And so there I was that same year, even though I was doing my, my drama theater stuff. Wow. While waiting to become a school psychologist, I, uh, was teaching geometry and algebra. And, and I thought, I've never done this before, but it's easy. And I said, I'm going to teach to the kids who get D's and F's because technically when it comes to math, that's who I was. Right, right, you know? right. And I said, I'm not going to teach it the way that other people do it. I'm going to teach it the way that I know it. And the weird thing was all these tools that I had in my arsenal, my bag of tricks, I'm learning how to edit. That's math. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm learning how to put together stories in a, in, a, in a relevant sequential order. That's English and math. You know, um, learning how to um, be able to decipher in the language of a statistical problem, which formula to use. I'm like, that's reasoning. Huh. It's all there. It's all there. Yeah. I mean, we had it all along. And so I thought, this is what I'm going to teach the kids. And so I wouldn't teach it like a regular teacher did. I would teach it like an English teacher taught it, you know, and I'd make everything into a story. And one of my largest claims to fame, uh, fame, listen to me, claims to fame. Good job, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you're, sure you teach. <laughs> but a, a, a large claim to fame was this. There was these kids that were struggling with geometry. And it didn't make any sense. You know, all these formulas, these shapes, what does this mean? And I said, aha, watch this. So in theater, there's something called tableau, right? Where you make, you use your body to create shapes and make pictures and things that you can use in a story. So I took these high school kids outside and I said, we're about to do math, <laughs> you know? And I had them get a group of four, like a game. And I said, this is going to make sense because when we were in elementary school, that's all we did was play games, right? Right, we right. Loved it. We loved school because yeah. it was games. So I said, we're going to play a game. So what I did was I got in groups of four and we started doing tableaus, you know, and then when, they, when they, I said, okay, make a tree, now make a waterfall, now make a rainforest, now make a congruent line, now make, make a perpendicular line. Now, what does a right triangle look like? What's a, what's a trapezoid? Hey, could there be a right angle in a trapezoid? No, why? You know? <laughs> and so what I found out was, what they found out was that when you put yourself into the world of something like math or science, which is a wonderful thing, and you actually utilize it, it is not just some weird numbers, you know, on a wall or someone's like writing, but it's something that's part of life. Kids get it. So Kids what, get it. So and what I'm saying... So, my bad. Go, Go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. Finish. I cut you off. My bad. No, no. And so because the kids get it, you know, it became a joy to see people who were originally struggling suddenly say, are you?
are you sure this is geometry? <laughs> I'm like, I'm positive. Yeah, and that's what I was going to get to of like, when you're able to show kids a real world connection and you're actually, like you said, able to take them out into the real world and say to them, hey, can we make a right angle with the trapezoid? No, why not? And for them to right. explain that, it's right. not just like you said, it's not just like um, Bueller at the front of the class <laughs> writing on a board, but it's actually them doing it, being involved in it. And like you mentioned, right. if we can tap into the that that two-year-old, that three-year-old, that four-year-old, the kid in kindergarten who just loves school because like you said, it's all right. these games, it's all learning, then yeah, they're recognizing right. that this isn't this isn't like a stiff stuff that you know, the old fogey at the front of the class is giving out to us. Yeah, that sounds dope. Yeah. Right. Who, no, who's who's and the and teacher that did that for you? One of the things, if I can... Um, again, so Miss um, Shama, but watch this. It, it wasn't Miss Shama uh, in college that did There was another professor. This uh I won't forget him, uh, Medallion, like, like, like Medallion you wear around your neck, Dr. Medallion. And he wrote a book. He wrote the stats book, you know, and uh, specifically, you know, he, he told me, he said, you know, I like you, Marcus. <laughs> He's all, I don't know why you're not getting this. He's all, but let me give you a little background on you that maybe you don't know. I said, background on me that maybe I don't know. He said, yeah, because I want you to understand that, that you're, you're black. He's all, I know this because, you know, he was from the Middle East. And he says, and your your ancestors were able to do such incredible things with math and science. You know, besides the pyramids, they were able to do so much more, Marcus. He goes, and I believe, just like it's in me, I believe this is in you. Because it's part of your ancestral, it's part of who you are, it's the makeup of your blueprint of you as an individual and you as an African-American and quit thinking you don't understand this. You got this, but you got to believe that you got this. And I walked away saying he's full of crap. (laughs) He doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) And he was wrong. And I'm telling you, once I realized what was going on and how to make real world connections, just like you said, I took that one person to turn that on for me and I got it and not just got it but I was able to share with others you know um how to do it and so my kids you know the last thing that I brag on about my kids is I was able to teach statistics too it's like oh lord how are you going to do that and make it not so complex I said it doesn't have to be complex it's life and if life is complex then sure stats is complex but what we did is I said, look, this is always about a random sample of numbers. And the random sample of numbers is used to create the whole. In other words, we're going to use this sample to create an example of how certain things should and could be. And a lot of times we're going to use this to create, we can create a grocery store based on what the numbers say. We can create a uh, we can create a supermarket, we can create a school, we can create a whole neighborhood based on what these numbers tell us about this area, and now we can create, and so when the kids got that, they said, oh, wow, well, yes, this is how you can figure out what's going on with teams, this is how you can figure out what's going on with food, this is how you can figure out what's going on with trend. Yes. Trend needs to be created by a random sample. Yep, yep. You know, and when they got that, they had tons of fun, and they said the same thing, 
are you sure this is statistics? <laughs> you know, excellent, excellent. And, and I said it is. It's stats. And I'm telling you, I had D students and F students excited about coming to class. Excited. So a lot of times we play games, we we tell jokes, and then from the jokes, or I I call it, you know, my 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 four minutes of stand up in the middle of class. You know, kids will come to class with a story, you know, but a lot of times that story was leading to the lesson, you know, but it was, it was and I'd use them in the example and I'd be like, can you believe this? And sometimes I would use things that kept to their attention. I'd say, oh, guys, I know you guys are in high school, but I know prom is coming. It just made me think of this crazy story that happened to me in high school with prom. And so as I gave him that story, I turn around and say, so the people I was just talking about. Um, it's slightly left of the bell curve because they're different. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not. They're not part of the norm. They're outside yeah. the norm because they're this way. But there's another group of friends that are ah, insane, and they're outside the norm too. But they're on the opposite side of the bell curve. Do you get? Do you see the difference? You know. <laughs> and so I wouldn't have to write anything down. I would just talk. And I'd say, once I'd say, do you understand? I'd say, okay, cool. Let's write this down before we forget. <laughs> and I'd always include myself. I would say, we, before we forget. You know, I don't know what we're doing, you know. Um, and kept it that way. Kept it very tight and personal. And those kids got it. What I'm hearing from you say, Marcus, are a lot of teaching strategies that make for an excellent classroom. One being, look, as the quote-unquote teacher, you're not the recipient of all the knowledge. As you said, you're part of the learning. You said we to your kiddos so that they understood, look, I'm going to learn from you just as much as you're going to learn from me, and we're going to learn together. Yeah, that's fantastic. If a lot of teachers do that, if if they humble themselves just enough to be like, yeah, I know some things, but I can learn from the students as well, Right, And the kiddos are just in a different headspace of, of being able to say, all right, let's rock and roll. Let's see if we can jam and make something. Yeah, because awesome. I mean, I think what it is, it's like when we feel like when we go on a journey, if we're walking together and we're both lost, right? Yeah. And I say, hey, I think I see something that might be the way out right over there. Come on, come with me. <laughs> then they come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They come because they know you're you're in the you're in the trenches with them. You know they, they feel that, and maybe 100%. you are, maybe you're not, maybe you're just acting. You know, but you know if if it's real, if it seems real, and there's some, and there's always look. I told the kids, I go look. There's no reason for me to start this class off with a lie. I go, I'm gonna tell you guys the honest truth. I took college algebra four times before I passed, and I tried to sneak out of class in high school when it came to math because I was done with my requirements and refused to take any more math. Got in big, big trouble because of math. So I'm telling you right now, I don't know why I'm here today teaching you guys math, but I'm telling you right now, if you think I'm about to teach those of you who get nothing but A's because you're perfect in math, you're a highly mistaken. I ain't talking to you. You're Mm going to figure it out no matter what I say. I said, but instead, those of you guys that are like, oh, God, that, that get Ds, those of you guys that are about to say, I can't wait for this class to be over because I can't stand math. I'm talking to you because yeah. I was you. I was you. So let, let us, let's us talk. 
Mm -hmm. Let's leave those A kids there. Don't worry about them. They're probably on their cell phones. A kids, go ahead and take out your cell phones and find something else to do. I'm talking to other kids who are kind of cool. You know, the ones like me. (laughs) On the left side of the bell curve. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's what's up. So again, I'm hearing one, the relatability, being your authentic self. Don't lie to the kiddos. The kiddos are going to pick up on the fakeness. Right. (laughs) Any any teacher. Yeah, they'll pick up on it. They're smart. I would push back on like, hey, hey, students, <laughs> get up on your cell phones. I would have something enriching for them too. However, no, no, I, I say that. I say that, a lot of times I use shocking language because they say, "Is he telling us what I think he's telling us? <laughs> Is he for real?" <laughs> Just take out our cell phones. What? Yeah, yeah. I I use shock value all the time. And what grade <laughs> did you say you taught again? Was that high school? High school. High school. High school. High school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, developmentally, they're a little bit different than my yeah. my middle school. I say, I mean, I say the shocking things to them all the time. I'll come in the room, put my bags down, and I say, I'll reach in my pocket and go like this. Ah, God, has anybody got any extra weed? No, no, Marcus. <laughs> no, Marcus. That gets their attention so fast. Extra, extra. <laughs> you don't have to say, please look up and listen to me. You don't have to say that. Just just say something that they did not expect you to say. The unexpected. Get him, hook him. Give him a hook. That's mm-hmm. why we watch movies. We look at the hook. If the hook doesn't catch us in the very beginning, we're gone. We check out. Yep. We don't like the movie. <laughs> Got it. Let me ask you this. At what or throughout your career from elementary through college, how many black teachers did you have? I can tell you right now, um, it's not even a mystery. Mm. Um, one great teacher that I had um, comes from fifth grade and sixth grade. Her name is Miss Palmer. Miss um, Palmer, um, like I said, I grew up in Claremont, California. Pr- primarily, I'm sorry, and I'm, I'm talking. I'm getting these like bugs that are like coming, wanting to come to the party as well. Yeah. Um, Ms. Palmer met met myself and all my all my friends. We were in the fifth grade, and they had conveniently grouped most of the black and brown students in Ms. Palmer's class. If you were a really hip white kid or Asian kid, and a couple that were black, and back then you were a superstar, you were in Ms. Riggle's class. But if you were possibly an issue of any kind, you were in Miss Palmer's class. And I recall those of us were in Miss Palmer's class. Now, we were behind on an awful lot, and we realized that that school had not prepared us correctly. And it was the influence of Miss Palmer that said, I got to take you, I've only got two years to take you from zero to 100 and make sure you are ready for, they called it junior high back then, and make sure you're ready for junior high school. Um, When Ms. Palmer got done and we got to El Robley Middle School or junior high, the kids from Ms. Palmer's class was way more prepared than the kids from Ms. Riggle's class. She she worked us hard. I'll never forget that woman because she she got us interested in, in, in learning how to learn. You know, I think there's something in education called W uh, KWL. Yes. You know, uh, what, what you know, what you want to yeah. know, and what you learn. Yeah. Um, you don't know what you don't know. 
You know, um, you don't even know how to learn. Yep, yep. You don't even know educational language. But that crazy Miss Palmer, who we thought was mean and we're afraid of, she made sure those little black and brown kids of hers was going to at least graduate high school. And she sent us a, she gave us a passion. She gave us a fake yearbook. I still remember at the end of my sixth grade year. And it was a book. She said, look, kids, I found this, I found this yearbook in a weird space uh, suit or whatever she said. And she said that it's from the future. Hmm. And if you don't mind, I'd like to read it to you. You know, and she would read each and every one of us and said, oh, look, wow, Marcus, fly. Okay, wow, you're 23, 28, 23, works as a jazz band artist, works in a jazz club, reads novels, and graduated from USC. Pretty good. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> wow. She did that for us. She gave us a vision board, and we didn't even wow. know what a vision board was. And she did wow. that to us way back in the day. And some of us could never get those visuals out of our head. Wow, how did I end up wow. in a club? That sounds cool. So I remember I visualized it. Yeah, she gave us all that. So my That's my good. black, my only black teacher that I had that probably helped transform my life was Miss Palmer from Vista Elementary School. <laughs> and. My next question is, how many black men have you had from, or I guess, throughout your entire life? Besides my father, who yeah. said, you bring back home one more D and watch what happens. <laughs> yeah. I know that's a... He was pretty good, that guy. Okay. <laughs> but let's see. I had Mr. Let's see. I remember Mr. Walker, who taught high school, but I was not interested None. Okay. None. So what I'm hearing is you didn't have any, so you became the thing that you didn't have. You became the person that you didn't have. Right. That's in part two. Well, also, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you really quickly why it became such a passion for me. So um, graduating from Claremont, a couple of things happened that, that, that opened my eyes. The first thing that happened was when I was a junior, um, I was friends with those black and white kids, and I just noticed all the cool, popular kids were going to take this class called 20th Century History, and I started to sign up for it, and my counselor tried to deter me from that class. Now, understand, 20th Century History was a college prep course, mm -hmm. and she was trying to get me to go and take U.S. History because that's the only requirement that you needed to graduate, and quote-unquote, don't you want to hang out with all your friends? They're all going to be in there. They're not taking 20th century history because they, they feel like it's too hard, Marcus, and it might be too hard for you too. Um, I remember that. I also recall when I graduated and I was, I guess I had my head held high like a, you know, like a peacock with his wings wide open, or I'm sorry, with feathers. And my mother told me that uh, you can go calm down. Let me tell you something, she said, that while you were in Vista, you and probably a lot of the other black kids, Marcus, they tried every year up until you had Miss Palmer to put you in special ed. Wow. I said, why? And the reasoning was because you write left-handed. And if you write left-handed, there's got to be something wrong with you. <laughs> sure did. So with all that in mind, 
I said, you know, gosh, these put me in special ed. And I remember all the other kids who were black and brown who were put in special ed because their parents weren't basically looking after them in that way. And for the end, they didn't know. They didn't know. And so I thought I've got to be because I kept thinking, you know, I don't know if there's going to be any black kids that I come across in this journey of of teaching. But if there is, I mean, I've got to say something positive because you know, who, who really inspired me except for white women, white middle-aged women who I had as teachers and one older black lady when I'm like 11, 12 years old who did influence my life, but those are the only two. Yeah. You know? Um, well, I, 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 okay, I take that back. I had one coach one time that was black that, that was my track coach, but that was it. He was mm-hmm. only, that was it. It's it's part of the reason how I got into this this work as well, and not seeing a lot of folks who who looked like me. I had a music teacher in middle school, um, and aside from him, I can't recall if there were any other black men who were right. who were who were teachers. And so to give right. our our black and brown boys someone who who looks like them, um, right. so, someone who can like Miss Palmer put that vision in there that create that uh, vision board for them, so to speak. And like you said, right. inspire them to, to do whatever it is that they want and not less than what their potential potential is. Absolutely. Um, and and it's all about, you know, making them realize, and it sounds like such a, you know, a, a, a cliche statement to realize your potential, <laughs> you know, but really and truly these kids have no idea that they had any yeah, potential, yeah. you know? So it's, 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 it's more than just realize your potential. We say to someone realize your potential is making the assumption that they have a realization that they're going to go somewhere in life, that they have a potential. You're talking about kids who don't realize anything outside of the box that they live in, anything outside of the neighborhood or the people they grew up with or, you know, the mannerisms that they were taught and the, and the, and the uh, excuses that they were given and the excuses they want to give. So realize your potential um it's, it's more than just a statement yeah 100 percent agree with you 100 percent agree with you if i were to ask you um uh i guess a side question because reading a couple of books right now um is there a book that you have read that you would recommend or is there a book that you're currently reading that you would recommend three books three um books. i would read um, I want to say the, the author's last name is Green, but it's called The 40 Laws of Power. 40 Laws of Power. Teaches you a little bit about yourself, what's going on. I would recommend um, for most anyone that's Black uh, a book um, entitled uh, Things Fall Apart. Yes. Um, Can you and, TV? Yes. Yep. And then I would also recommend um, just to also give you a broad perspective of the way the world is now and where we came from, I would recommend Octavia Octavia Butler's, uh, not Butler, um, it's, it's her name, Octavia. Um, anyhow, uh, her her book is entitled. I just went out of my head. Ah, uh, um, 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 I think it is Octavia Butler. Uh, what is that name of that book? It'll come to me in a second, right? Thank you, um, Kindred, Parable of the Sower. Thank you, Kindred. Kindred. Okay. Yeah. I would recommend Kindred for sure. Great, great book. But um, for sure, those, that's what I would recommend to read. Um, nice. And there's probably a few more, but I would say start there. Okay. 
Okay. What's bringing you joy at the moment? I, you know, this is what I found out. What's bringing me joy is I love the outdoors. As you can see, I'm outdoor right now. Yeah. I love the water. And what brings me the, the most joy right now is seeing my, I have two kids, you know, and seeing them really, you know, try and make an attempt to realize their potential. My son is 16 and uh, he's getting, he's getting straight A's and he's getting stuff together. And my daughter struggled, you know, and um, she struggled like me. She's 13, mm-hmm. you know, but she um, just very recently in the last year, no one said, oh my God, I'm going to beat you if you don't get it. I just continue to encourage her. Nice. And me specifically, I kept saying, you're so amazing, Serena. You're so smart. Oh, my goodness. And I would say that to the little things that she did. You know, what? You remember? This might be dumb. Is that true? You remembered all your supplies in school today? What? Talk about it. Talk about Go it. <laughs> Words of encouragement. Just to encourage her for the littlest things. You know, Where's and now point? Serena, I think I just saw her last report card. So for all this year, I think her lowest grade was a C, but she's now getting, she's a B student right now and still going, you know, but uh, she's just now realizing, hey, I can do it. So I'm really excited about that. And then the other thing I'm really excited is every weekend I take a trip with my son to the ocean where he is a little black kid learning how to surf. That's what's up. That's what's up. So I watch him. It's been been a little over a year and a half. We started in the pandemic. So here's my little black son, 16 years old, on a surfboard, surfing yeah. every weekend. Love it. Love <laughs> to hear it. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Awesome. You know. Awesome. And my final question to you, it's the, the outro question. Right now, music is everything for me. So if you were to create a, a, a mini playlist, your top five songs, what would be on that playlist? And if you've got more, that's fine too, because I asked you for one book and you hit me with three, so that's fantastic. <laughs> Top five songs playlist. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm really weird. I like upbeat songs. I love, uh, what's his name? He just won the Grammy. For best music. Bruno music. Mars? Or no, well, Bruno, I love Bruno Mars stuff. Okay. That's he's, he's definitely in there. I mean, I'm a little worn out on Bruno, Bruno Mars only because the radio wears out his music. But I, oh, I love, wait, wait. It is on my playlist right now. I'm being a little weird. Because uh, I love Bruno Mars' song because it has my name in it, So Fly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bruno so Mars, So was. Fly. Uh, also, gosh, uh, I probably like, um, if you look at my playlist, I'm telling you right now, you're going to see something on there from uh, Bill Withers. Okay. Um, I'm going to see a, a, a song called It's a New Day by Danny Gokey. Um, you're going to hear, uh, old school Ray Charles. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm going to have, oh, I don't know where I'm at on my numbers, but <laughs> no, keep it going. But, keep it going. <laughs> but, um, gosh, I, I know I'm giving you some really strange, strange stuff, but, uh, there's a gentleman I'll tell you right now. As I'm, uh, um, have you heard of, uh, Greg Porter, Greg Porter? Yeah. So I love, love Gregory Porter. My goodness. You know, um, and then, uh, believe it or not, uh, other music that I might just, just out, out there. Um, I'm a big fan of the, of the young girl, um, uh, Doja Cat. Yep. Okay. <laughs> nice. I, nice. I like, I like, I like her stuff. Um, and then, 
um, there's a few, uh, there's a, there's a gospel singer, um, that I really like, um, and his name is, uh, last name is, is Norfolk. Uh, I want to say it's, is Aaron Norfolk? Cause it doesn't, no, um, Smokey Norfolk, um, love Smokey Norfolk and any one of those songs you, you play or I play, I'm going to have an amazing day. You know, I'm having an amazing day anyway, because I have to keep writing. Ugh. I'm yeah. still working on, as of right now, uh, besides all the wonderful stuff at school, um, I still have my segment that you guys got to check out on uh, the PBS website. Um, it's all my red carpets for Rise and Shine, which is my documentary series. And then if you get a chance, go on to KLCS on Vimeo. It is the PBS uh, Vimeo site, and you'll find my documentary film that's out. And it's called Rise and Shine. Rise um, and Shine. Rise and, and I shine. produced that a few years ago. So definitely check out Rise and Shine. That's my television program. You know, and then um, if you can catch me sitting down, that's a joyful thing. I'm still working on a secret project. I can't tell you how deep we're going to go with it. But okay. I will tell you I'm working on something uh, with Dionne Warwick, um, okay. a legend. And she's uh, she's pretty amazing. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Man, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Marcus Fly, thank you very, very much for coming on to the podcast and dropping a, a, a ton of, of gems. Um, I know, and let me just make sure that I got all the, the songs that you mentioned. And if there's any other few that you want to drop, please do. Uh, yeah. Bruno Mars, Bill Weathers, Danny yeah. Goki, Ray Charles, Greg Porter, Doja Cat, and Smokey Norfolk. Those were the seven that I, that I cut. Yes. I'm sorry. That's too many. Yeah. No, nah, that's just fine. <laughs> that's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's just fine so i appreciate you man and for anyone who's listening i think one of the things that i took away the most was be like miss palmer speak that vision board to to the kiddos who are in front of you who are listening to you and yes. drop those words of encouragement as much as you can so that kiddos will believe because like you mentioned if they their perception yeah. is one way and we got to make sure that we enlarge it and let them know that there's so much more out there so Marcus Fly, thank you very much man appreciate thank you. you so much before i let you go i always do this whenever i have my group of kids i always yeah. say put your hands together like this like in the form of a prayer and we look each other eye to eye we simply say thank you for sharing this creative experience with me we do a respectful bow yep. we do a respectful high five and we give everybody amazing round of applause including ourselves excellent <laughs> So with that, folks, if you are listening to this, give yourself a, a high five. Be kind to yourself and have a fantastic day. This, I am Mr. Pierre. He is Mr. Fly, who's so, so fly. And this has been another episode of The Chronicles of Mr. And we out. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So, um, Marcus, I will.